Welcome back into the show here on the Blitz 1170. My name is Jeremy Poplin. Colby Daniels alongside as well, along as Bryce Hulse on the opposite side of the glass, making sure that everything is working properly. And let's hit up that hotline and welcome in Dr. Christopher Crane, who's joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. is streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app from Tulsa Bona Joint. Dr. Crane, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you, Jim? I'm doing well. Uh, I wanted to start, and I feel like we can get into the pattern here of broken record, but there's a new element of the heat that I wanted to bring to your attention and just get some of your immediate thoughts on an item that's happening, at least within the region. Uh, Yesterday was brought to my attention that there are schools within the Metroplex in Dallas that have decided that because of the heat that they are going to postpone at least the start times to some of these games and move them to a later time at night. Now, that could mean that a high school game could start somewhere around the 9 p.m. mark or maybe even later than that. Um, Texas has been, we've had heat problems here, but Texas has had, I believe, 22 days of over 105 degree temperatures. The, The projected temperature for Friday's kickoff for some of the high school games or Friday's high in Dallas is supposed to be 109 But, uh, Doc, I know that 90-degree temperatures in direct sunlight is still a a bad thing, but shifting the games back to 9 o'clock at night, is is that something that they're going to receive, you know, a a significant amount of benefit from? Just trying to make sure and protect these kids. And quite frankly, it's something that I had never even thought about before shifting a game back even later because of excessive heat. Yeah, they're just trying to avoid the, the heat of the day, the the peaks that you're talking about that we're seeing uh, towards the end of the day in the late afternoon, early evening, and trying to find the cooler temps once the sun is set. We're starting to lose daylight uh, somewhere around two minutes a day at this point, and so the sunset will be before 8 p.m. Uh, within a week or so. So those, those later starts let you get away from a little bit of that heat. From a heat standpoint, that's fine, and Texas has the same kind of problem we've been having a little bit up here with just the humidity. Not only is it blazing hot, but it's extremely humid, and so that just worsens the problem, takes away the sweat's ability to reduce your body temperature and for you to regulate your own temperature when you're being athletic on the field. So I think from a heat standpoint, it's good. From a sleep disruption for high schoolers' standpoint, that's probably not optimal. Uh, we, we do know that there are terrible issues with teenagers getting enough sleep. Uh, high schoolers, uh, especially as school starts up, transitioning from summer back into school is a tough time for uh, some of those sleep patterns. And so from a sleep standpoint, that's probably not ideal. But from a heat standpoint, it's it's better than playing in the heat of the day for sure. You know, I went outside the other night. And I had to take the dog out. It was about 10.30, 10.45. And I'm trying to remember what night it was, Doc, but it still felt like that you were walking into an oven. There was not any breeze whatsoever. And I've grown up here, so I've dealt with heat. But that the other night at about 10.30, 10.45 just felt a little bit different. Um, and I know that that might be like a weird way to phrase it, but it, it felt like something that I don't I don't remember off the top of my head about this place feeling like after dark, that late after dark where there was no breeze whatsoever. And it just felt like that there wasn't much of the heat that had actually gone away. It's basically a sauna. It, it, you go outside and the, the heat and the humidity together just hits you. 
it, it's not something that is going to get better till late this weekend. Uh, it should start to cool off for next week. But yeah, people who have had experience with dry heats uh, should notice a very sharp difference between that and what we're experiencing now. This is a high humidity, high heat temperature combo. And that, that when we talked a little bit about wet bulb, that, that strongly affects that. So I'm wondering, even in Texas, I don't know for certain, but I'm wondering if the wet bulb simply doesn't even allow play. There is that cutoff mark in the 90s that we talked about. And so it may simply be that they're not able to play safely until that time at night. Before we get into a specific injury, how does heat like this impact the musculoskeletal system in general? We, I mean, we hear a lot about cramps and muscles and things like that, but how does it impact your joints? So from a joint standpoint, it's generally just inflammation uh, building up faster. You've got an increased vascularity to the lower extremities and upper extremities. And so if you do have microtraumas that develop into some swelling, you can actually have a little bit faster of a response. Otherwise, joints actually kind of prefer heat when they're stiff or when they're painful. Heat generally helps um, outside of acute injury. So from a joint standpoint, I'm, I don't worry too much. I worry more about the dehydration. I worry more about kids getting tired faster, getting getting exhausted. Uh, and that leads to poor coordination, it leads to just mechanical issues, not necessarily the joint itself. But, um, you know, your, your timings are off when you're tired and you're dehydrated and you're not not your peak performance when you're that way. Let's get to a specific injury. I sent you a note. Um, rookie wide receiver Jackson Smith in Jigba from Ohio State, who is now playing with the, uh, I'm a Niner fan, so I'm allowed to say this, the deplorable Seattle Seahawks doc. Um, he suffered a wrist injury and is going to have to have a procedure on this, uh, the scaphoid. Now, there were some that say, hey, this will be shorter term, but from what I understand that that is not an easy bone to heal and it's going to be difficult because the type of splint that they have to put on that, that wrist anyway for him to get back. I mean, we're talking about now somewhere in the neighborhood of what, four to five weeks into the regular season before he even takes that off of his wrist. So there's so many different things that can go wrong in the wrist. But when we're talking about that bone in, in, in particular, uh, what, what does the outlook look like for that young man? This bone is the problem child of the carpal bone. So this is one that med students from a very early time in their career are taught to lose a little sleep over. The problem with the scaphoid bone is the blood supply is not equal. And essentially there are parts, especially in the waist and towards the proximal aspect of the bone, that have sort of watershed blood supplies. So the the blood supply is coming from one direction and the other and meeting in the middle, but that middle isn't a very rich blood supply. It's not very high in nutrients. It's not very high flow. And when you're talking about an injury, you need a certain amount of blood flow to bring nutrients and healing factors and, and help that fracture heal. And so there's there's ways that this bone can break with a, even just a fall on onto an outstretched hand that can have a difficult time healing and and especially in an athlete that's wanting to return as quickly as possible to a season that's about to start uh, surgery is something that that gets actively talked about to one make sure it heals right and heals in a way that doesn't leave long-term hand issues Uh, but two also just to hold it in place not let it be displaced at all uh, depending on how it broke to begin with and so 
it's a it's sort of a complex situation because it's got a lot of variables you may have to kind of predict based on location and fracture type but it's something that definitely gets close attention uh, and gets a lot of treatment even in my clinic sometimes it will have patients with pain in that area and the x-rays may not show anything yet but we'll go ahead and cast we'll go ahead and immobilize we'll go ahead and protect that bone for a couple of weeks, make sure that it really truly isn't broken or even get MRIs and make sure that we know what's going on. So is this one that's pretty common? And where, where is it exactly at? Is it closer to the base of the thumb? Is that is that where it's at? Yeah, it's a um, fairly common injury. One of the more common falls on outstretched hand or foosh as is abbreviated because it happens so often. Uh, it's one of the more common carpal injuries that you can get in the wrist. And it is just at the just past the radius in your forearm. It's kind of the bone that sits between your forearm bone and your base of your thumb. It's kind of the carpal interarticulation between those two. And so you'll see in the splints and in the cast that typically golden standard is to actually enclose the thumb in with the cast. The thought being that thumb motion does put some stress on the scaphoid fracture although there is some newer research saying that that may or may not be hugely important. But most likely he's going to end up in a fairly restrictive cast. You, you know, we talk a lot about from a professional athlete standpoint and also just athlete in general and that they have issues like this and they get taken care of. But if you're just an average person and you may not know that you actually have a fracture there, if it's left untreated, um, I, from what I understand, there could be some some elements of not only arthritis that forms, but some, some disability that also forms if you don't go and get that actually taken care of because of everything that you just talked about previously, the lack of blood flow and how difficult it actually is. Yeah, it's, it's something that can lead, if it doesn't heal right, if you have what's called a non-union or a malunion where that bone does not re-solidify in a way that is functional for your wrists, that can be lifelong issues, pain with certain motions, grips, doorknobs, things like that. Um, it's usually a fairly painful injury. This isn't one that's subtle in terms of how you feel, uh, whereas on the x-ray, it may not always be immediately apparent. Uh, so typically, patients are... are having more pain than the x-ray necessarily suggests and that kind of guides us to either do more imaging or protect it a little more uh, conservatively and do close follow-up and see how it does but yeah this is one that if if it's missed can lead to some bad outcomes and that's just again why medical students from the very beginning are, are told about the horrors of the scaphoid fractures and to, to be on on guard and watch for those Hey, Doug, next week I want to dive into a little bit more because uh, I just watched a piece on the ongoing issues that athletes have with some of the artificial surfaces. So I want to spend a little bit of time on that because, I mean, it seems like now you can't go anywhere uh, in any level of athletic competition without coming into contact with playing on artificial surfaces. And there's kind of this, you know, this battle that's been bubbling underneath behind the scenes from some professional athletes finally using their voice to speak out against some of these artificial surfaces. So I definitely want to hit some of that next week, uh, if you don't mind. Absolutely. It's a good topic and definitely, like you say, one that's growing. It, it is indeed. Dr. Chris Crane joins us each and every single Wednesday here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. Doc, always appreciate you. And uh, we'll make sure to point everyone to Tulsa Bona Joint, TulsaBonaJoint.com. Thank you again. Absolutely. Stay safe.
That is Dr. Chris Crane, who joins us every single Wednesday here on The Blitz 1170. We'll take a time out. We'll come back with more as we are also streaming on the good old desktop at theblitztulsa.com. This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.